0: I can't wait to hear from you. The Living Church, serving the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Communion since 1878. Welcome to the Living Church podcast. If you like a good underdog story, you'll like today's episode. If you pastor a small church or you're new to a parish that's on the struggle bus, you might like this story even more. Today we're in search of growth in search of growth is a series that we've been doing in the magazine. You might've seen it. It highlights stories of where God has been at work in ways that increase health and numbers in local Episcopal and Anglican churches. No one is the same, of course, and growth isn't predictable, but by sharing stories of renewal, we hope to learn about what helps our local very institutional corners of God's beloved vineyard thrive. This past summer, as many of you know, we also hosted a pilgrimage to England, and you can hear our two part episode about that. What I'm sure you don't know is that Ivan took some vacation time in Wales, where I stayed with some folks that you may have also heard elsewhere on the podcast the Reverend Dr. Mark Clavier, a vicar in Brecon, who we've had on before to talk about Christian ecology and so-called Celtic Christianity, and also his wife, Dr. Sarah Ward Clavier, who joined me for a Halloween episode a few years back to talk about the gruesome details of clergy wills. I recommend any of those episodes to you. You can find them in our archives or on the show notes today. And I had a grand time, what can I say, hiking, swimming, enormous breakfasts. Wales is hilly and beautiful and still a little wild. One of my favorite parts of my stay was getting to know the church that Mark pastors, St. Mary's in Brecon. If I lived here, I told people, I would go to this church, and I totally meant it. It's a rapidly growing congregation of about 60. It is lively, warm, very active in their community, and very, very traditional in their worship. Now, in a place where more evangelical styles tend to see the growth, this really intrigued me. So today, I wanted to tell you their story, which has reminded more than one person of a certain Apple Plus TV series. We have a British community at a low point. We have a cheerful, mustachioed American showing up, warming some hearts, launching unexpected tactics for victory. Yes, I'm talking about Ted Lasso. And that is Father Mark's nickname among some of his parishioners. St. Mary's is a very old parish, and after a precipitous decline, it has found new life. After dwindling to 16 attendees within a year, they have 60 parishioners. Glory to God, obviously. Father Mark coming is not the end of the story, and it's not really the beginning. But when I asked people why they were at St. Mary's or why they think it's grown, there was a clear turning point for them. So here's what I typically heard first. I've
1: been doing a little bit of, sort of light touch research on local churches and I'd come across Father Mark and I'll be honest, like the fact that he was younger than your average vicar and yeah, there was a, there was a draw to him and to this church mm-hmm. for that reason.
2: Humor, yes. you enjoy that. Oh, I love his humor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. brightens
0: things, doesn't it? Absolutely. You heard from a couple there, Kim Scaly and Chris Lynch, who are pretty new to St. Mary's. And it's interesting and worth pointing out that a vicar's personality can have some effect in blessing a struggling community. I mean, how helpful is it for the primary leadership of God's people to be like unfriendly, pessimistic, or doleful? maybe not very helpful. But this isn't a story about one person rescuing a parish from closure. And this is definitely not a cult of personality. It's about showing up, waiting, listening, and building trust over time. And then, when the moment's right, ironing out that strategic plan. Let's hear from Mark himself on what he found at St. Mary's when he arrived a year ago.
3: So If you look at the attendance record here, Really, from the late 90s on, the place was either treading water or slowly declining. And then it had two moments that really pulled the rug out from under under the place. The first was uh, the discovery that they had to do major roof repairs. The roof repairs shut this place down entirely, both in terms of worship and the cafe for a year. And then when they reopened a year later, the attendance was down to the upper 20s in average attendance. They, they essentially lost about an average of 10 people a week. People. And after COVID, this place was really below 20 in attendance. So the first thing I did was I got a copy of the electoral roll
1: mm-hmm. and
3: I started methodically visiting people at their homes and uh, encouraged people that when I was coming to their place to invite friends they might have mm. who would be be interested. But the other thing I, I did is I made a conscious decision. I got to design my own licensing service.
0: And licensing is when you become installed. Yeah, it's like the yeah. installation service. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I thought, all right, I'm going to make this licensing uh, an exhibit for what worshiping life will be like here. And because of the goodwill I had around town, with with people we had something like 85 90 people for the licensing i mean the place was packed out and 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 so really from then on out we immediately went from uh, average sunday attendance of you know around 16 to um averaging above 30 so we we right away nearly doubled like in, within a week sight. yeah okay yeah yep. okay and we, you know, we've been steadily increasing mm-hmm. since since then. By by the autumn, we were averaging in the lower forties, and and now we're averaging um, mid fifties, close to sixty. Mm-hmm.
0: Saint Mary's is clearly in a new season, but she is not a new parish. This church has a history stretching back to the twelfth century, and they have a beautiful building to show it. At the north side of the nave, you can still see a Norman ombry, a nook carved out for their patron saint. And before Father Mark came on as vicar a little over a year ago, many of the 16 regular Sunday attendees who'd been keeping the lights on had long memories of their own and a deep love for the place. I talked to longtime parishioner Liz Perry about St. Mary's legacy of hospitality and welcome, but how various leadership changes through the years had left the congregation thin on confidence and vision for the future. I
4: think the thing with St. Mary's, it's always struck me that from day one, I don't mean this to sound dramatic, it's just the way it is. It's almost like they've been an orphan congregation Hmm. in so much as they've been served by the clergy from the cathedral and it's been in, out, and wave goodbye. Mm. So the pastoral care was minimal. And so it's been a case of holding people together until, in God's great scheme, things changed. Mm-hmm. Back in 2008, one of the clergy from the cathedral was down serving this area. He said... <laughs> I will give you five years and we will work in that time. And we had a week of prayer and a number of people came in and we held that week of prayer through the day to see where God was leading us. And at the end of that week, we sort of talked about what we felt, where we felt we were being led, where we were going. And it was very much very much a sense of this is an ancient building it has a benedictine foundation Mm -hmm. and our role was one of welcome and embracing Mm. giving a welcome to people also a place of safety sanctuary Mm -hmm. a safe place to be Mm-hmm. and giving that welcome. Mm-hmm. And we're going downhill so much so that one of the clergy wanted to close us here and made no bones about it. Mm-hmm. And then a number of things happened and um, Mark arrived. You get a huge smile on your face when you <laughs> say that. <laughs> oh Well, I was at a pretty desolate spot then because it was a tragedy to see these people being
0: neglected. So you've come into this parish that has been wondering whether the diocese is going to close its doors. Maybe that's you right now. And maybe you've got this same decision to make. Is this going to be a matter of survival or a matter of revival? Well, what if a key to one was also a key to the other? St. Mary's survival and revival both have relied on understanding and appreciating the history of the church, what God has been doing and saying all along, including through the faithfulness of parishioners who have themselves stayed, loved, and cultivated the community, even when it was short on hope. This is history well worth listening to. Uh,
3: The two things that leapt out at me in terms of the congregation, It was the probably not sufficiently prized virtue of patient endurance that they had stuck with this place, you know, through thick and thin after a better part of 20 years of either uh, steady or, well, it was steady decline with moments of significant decline. And so the other strength was was, it was very obvious that they were very good at looking after each other. hmm So there was already a loyalty here. There was a loyalty. It was a long history of, of knowing each other and, and looking after each other. That alone was something I just recognized and thought, right, this gives us a good solid foundation to, to build on.
0: And so a collaboration began between Father Mark and the small band of parishioners on a strategic plan. In the history of this parish, God had been preserving a future. It's easy to be reminded of Jeremiah 29 here, isn't it? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope for the future. So what did it look like, practically speaking, to discern that plan and then communicate it clearly?
3: I, the, the one thing I did that wasn't terribly democratic, but the tagline, the mission statement, whatever you want to call it, it just came to me. You know, and we've got this prominent tower that you can see from everywhere that that in the early modern period was a was a beacon, the light. So I thought, all right, it just it came to me one day, a beacon of faith, hope and love in the heart of Brecon. And we just did a Bible study of First Corinthians, passages from First Corinthians and from Ephesians, and discussed what what would it mean in reality to be a beacon of faith in, in Brecon, a beacon of hope, uh, and a beacon of love. And what does it mean to be, if we say, at the heart of Brecon, in terms of our community engagement? And then that led to a congregational meeting where we talked through it all. And from that, we then developed what our initial ministries were going to be. And the, And the overall agreement was that anything we started up we had to be confident we could sustain long-term.
0: The Brecon Beacons project is their strategic plan. And as Father Mark mentioned, it was inspired by their church tower. So this really strikes me. First of all, paying attention to the faithful parishioners and their unsung gifts and knowledge. Secondly, listening to the history of the place. And thirdly, even paying attention to the architecture. What is the literal shape of the building and its role in this town on this block across from this housing development, whatever it may be? Listening to the givens, basically. This seems to be a key piece here. So now we have a strategic plan printed in the form of a brochure, attractive, easy to read, easy to access. Great job on the graphic design. And it provides a focus and future orientation to the life of the church that you can easily snag if you're a first time visitor even. But probably just as important, it's also been a trust builder to an established community that felt burned. It was a clear sign of care and commitment to some folks who were, frankly, hungry to be loved. Organized, committed collaboration with parishioners on budget, vision, community service, prayer, and listening to local history built this crucial bridge, as well as inspired confidence.
3: I, I guess I've got a, a reputation for being entrepreneurial in my approach, but all I'm all I'm really doing is I'm I'm listening and looking for the opportunities that are arising because of the people I'm pastoring. I'm, I'm like an incurable optimist, um, you know. <laughs> people here in the UK call me Ted Lasso, <laughs>
0: um, so. Hey there podcast listener if you've listened to the podcast for a while you probably know that the living church is not just a podcast oh no my friend tlc is a publishing ministry with a unique magazine independent church news reporting a stellar theology blog resources for parish ministry many of them free i could go on stop me now stop me now we're rooted in the episcopal church and the anglican communion but we have a big heart for the unity of all god's people You know that I love that you're here, but I don't want you to just stay in the podcast space and miss out on other ways our ministry might serve you. You can go to livingchurch.org and see what all TLC offers. How can we serve you today? One way we might serve you is coming up in September. We're hosting an event with an amazing community of friends at All Souls Episcopal Church in Oklahoma City, a conference called the Human Pilgrimage. What does it mean to be human? How do we live fully as creatures loved, limited, and liberated by God? Join the Living Church September 26th to 28th in Oklahoma City and be refreshed by three days of world-class keynotes, friendship, and meditation on who we are as creatures in Christ. Right now, you also get 15% off all tickets with the promo code EARLYBIRD. Go to livingchurch.org forward events for more information and to buy your tickets. And I hope to see you there. Ted Lasso, we all love him. He's happy, he's positive, and he's focused on the people under his care. But what got me through season one of Ted Lasso, as the cheerfulness as plot point was starting to wear off for me, was when I realized that the smiles and the jokes were part of Ted's strategy. When care and strategy combine... That is a potent combination.
1: As far as I'm concerned, as the head of this church, he is a figurehead who people look to, and I think he has a very important position of influence, which he's using in a very positive way. With the role that he has, he has the opportunity to create an environment and a culture. What I've seen, having tried at other local churches before this one, they are reflective of who their figurehead is. That's just the way humans work, I Mm -hmm. think, is we respond to a leader figure Mm -hmm. and the way in which that leader figure conducts themselves, behaves, and role models what good looks like, Mm -hmm. other people will follow suit. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like at St. Mary's is sincerity, authenticity, being jovial as well. This church is a perfect example of how the, all of those things can coexist. Mm-hmm. The church can re- remain being traditional and teach and preach in, in the word of God in, in the way that it maybe always has, but applying it, it with a much more modern day context, but just the way in which the mm-hmm. congregation is engaged with by the vicar.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the relationship of parish growth to the X factor of just feeling good? feeling safe, feeling, well, okay, there's a Welsh word for it. I will go back to Liz Perry and let her explain.
4: We have a lovely word in Welsh. It's coach. and it, Oh, kutch, <laughs> like, a, like, a, yeah. like a cuddle. Yeah, and that's in, it. And embrace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to, my grandmother used to use it when she put the chickens away in the kutch for the night. And it's, it's like that so sweet, safe, warm mm-hmm. place to be. So when Mark came then, it was the tyre hit the road big time. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were going from famine to feast. It was incredible. And is,
0: it, is a lot of it due to you could feel the commitment yeah. from, the, from the vicar of, of being here, being, wanting to love the community? All of the above. Um,
4: it was an energy, too, that had been lacking because of the neglect Mm -hmm. When Mark came, we had a conversation um, and it was about people before plant. The structure. Mm -hmm. We need a structure. Mm -hmm. That's very important. And how we use structure is important. But if you haven't got the people, you don't need the plant.
0: Kutch is a very sweet little word. You can even buy fluffy pillows in home goods shops with kutch stitched onto them in cursive. But it's also a powerful little word. It represents a sense of basic security, well-being, peace. A vicar's personality deployed to good use, listening and loving the few and the faithful, launching a strategic plan from a rich history, have contributed to this secure peacefulness, which is something that you can now sense when you walk into St. Mary's. To present some evidence here, The background noise that you hear in these conversations I'm having. So in my conversation with Liz Perry, it's after church on a Sunday. And that party level of chit chat behind us is folks talking and enjoying tea and fresh baked treats at the back of the church for like an hour or more. They had just had a parish barbecue. This has always been a warm family-like parish, but this season of security has brought the growth that you can now literally hear in the background filling out that original vocation of welcome and hospitality. And then the background noise you hear in my interview with Mark. The church doesn't just have fresh-baked treats on Sundays. During the week, they run the Tower Cafe, named after the Norman Tower that Mark mentioned. This is one of the ways Kutch has become outreach. Tea, coffee, locally prepared cakes, scones, breads, lunches sourced from local farms and butcheries, The church serves the community delicious food sourced from gardens, farms, and kitchens around the community in order for the church to demonstrate the message of commitment that they were given. We're not going anywhere. We love it here. We love you. And if my voice ever sounds vaguely muffled while I interview Mark, just blame it on the Welsh cake with Sultana's. That was in my mouth while I was talking to him. There were people meeting for business in the Tower Cafe, moms with kids playing on the floor, folks taking a break from work. The parish has itself become a kind of non-anxious presence in its community, and that is a beautiful thing. New members can feel it, like Chris and Kim, who we talked to earlier, who came to the church at a particularly dark and fragile point in their lives. Um, so why did you two choose to come here it's about you said a 15 minute drive away so why do you come to saint mary's
2: so we'd been here a little bit of time and we thought oh well we'd like to find that sense of community i think and um you read a little bit of background as well didn't you chris about saint mary's um and we came along to one of the sunday services and yeah we felt very welcomed it felt more comforting to be part of this congregation and um yeah we started coming more regularly and i think really the sense of community is what makes Mm. things so successful i think that just gives you a sense of family or belonging or just that support really and being generally new quite new to the area i think we were kind of searching Mm -hmm. for something like that it's sort of you know looking for friendship and just a place to go on a on a sunday where we feel connected with god and yeah being able to pray really so yeah
0: chris what would you would you add anything to that
1: something that kim hasn't mentioned and i'm sure she won't mind me mentioning is that we lost our son um uh in February, um, he was uh, at twenty four weeks of pregnancy. We both felt at that time that yeah we needed to to sort of you know refine uh, our faith in God, and that's one thing in particular that I think really brought us back to the mm-hmm. to the church and yeah.
2: I think in the early days as well, when we lost Innes, um, it was a place to come and be mindful and be present and the singing as well. The hymns really lifted my spirits at a time where it was really quite difficult, kind of welcomed us with open arms. And that was a really positive thing that we needed
0: at that time and still do. Mm. Perhaps another benefit to a community that experienced a lot of pain and hardship, and as Mark put it, learned patient endurance, is that it can now be peaceful and present for those in crisis or a season of darkness that takes a particular gift of mature waiting and wisdom. Side note, then, that maybe seasons of decline in a community are not entirely something to be fixed right away. Maybe... Decline is also a testing ground, a place where God is developing a community's character and cultivating less appreciated fruits of the Spirit, which will someday serve others in powerful ways. And so, what's next for this revived congregation led by a cheerful pastor?
3: Place is growing. The interesting thing is, with the Beacon Project, is one of our big conversations is this place is great as a community place during the week. The one thing that's difficult to do here during the week is to come and pray because it's there's so much okay. hubbub. Yeah. So one of the things we're we're discussing with architects is how do we create uh, a place <laughs> of relative quiet and peace where people can uh, can come in and, and pray. One of the b- wonderful things here, and I was very much of two minds of it before I started doing it. And I have to admit, I still have days where I, I think it doesn't work. But every Tuesday at 11, we have a Eucharist right here while everybody's, the cafe's still fabulous. going on. and
0: fabulous. So
3: it, um, it, the thing that doesn't quite work is if it's really busy, mm-hmm. the coffee machine, it's very loud. But but that way I mean everybody is here can see and and we actually get and this predates me this that we get more than 20 for that for that service.
0: So while Father Mark's arrival was a turning point at St. Mary's the heart of this community is still ultimately where it was over 15 years ago when a small group of faithful parishioners believed in God's good plans for their church through the simple act of prayer, waiting on God, and dedication to the place that they were called to love. They did a lot of tough spade work, and it was not easy. The congregation is now growing. It is happy and hopeful. The Tower Cafe ministry is thriving, but there's still much to be done. I heard about urgent needs for more meeting spaces, historic facilities that have to be kept up. Not that that would ring a bell with any of you listening today and accessibility issues that need addressing, to name a few. But the people at St. Mary's love St. Mary's, and that's the secret sauce. The team believes in the team. But the difference between a soccer team and a church, of course, is that winning for a church is always going to mean moving outward from that place of security and gratitude to those who may not yet have experienced this good news of God's faithful loving Kutch. People are looking now Mm -hmm. for guidance,
4: because if we think we're going to have a government, I don't care where you live, that's going to be the answer to all our problems. We are very much mistaken and deluded. Globally and in the micro situation, we are going to see an awful lot more distress and anxiety, mental health issues, the whole ruckus stuff. And if we as a church cannot meet people's needs, we need our bottoms slugged. I'm going to quote that for
0: sure. Oh, okay. oh, sure. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Church Podcast, a ministry of the Living Church Institute. In two weeks, listen in on a conversation with novelist Claire Gilbert on her new book, I, Julian a work of historical fiction about the life of Julian of Norwich, told from the perspective of Julian herself. It was one of my favorite conversations this year. I hope you'll join us. Until then, our producer is Leslie Thompson. I'm Amber Noel, your host, and it's been good to be with you. Peace.